At that time, the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is a story of faith and faithful struggle. Thanks be to God. The temple authority said, tell us plainly. And Jesus responds, I did tell you. The way Jesus reacts implies that the Pharisees' questioning was aggressive, like one of those all caps and bold emails that you get. It's like they're shouting through the cyberspace. The tone of his answers indicates that he sees their questioning as hostile. He describes them as not of his flock. They have followed hirelings. The response of the crowd that's not given in today's gospel reading is to throw stones at him, at Jesus, accusing him of blasphemy. This shows that they understood quite well that he was making the claim that he was equal to God. Jesus responds, I did tell you, but you don't believe. It's hard to hear someone say to us, you don't believe. We situate ourselves as the heroes in stories. We believe ourselves to be the disciples, not the Pharisees. The ones who know, not the ones who are ignorant. The ones who love, not the ones who hate. A couple of weeks ago, Thomas was in our scripture. A small detail in that story is that Thomas was a twin. And one of the best commentaries I've read about that scripture implies that we are Thomas' twin. We are the ones who doubt like Thomas did. We are the ones who demand proof. We are the fellow doubters in the story of Jesus' resurrection and in today's scripture and even in Jesus' life. We are doubters even now. Some of you might have seen the television program years ago or visited one of the places where there's a Ripley's Believe It or Not. It's kind of fun to be fooled, to kind of think about which of these stories might be true and which is false. In fact, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, our president, when he was killed, there were rumors that were begun that he wasn't really in the coffin. And those rumors became so pervasive that they actually exhumed him. They dug the coffin up, and it was proven that his body was there. 
Unfortunately, those rumors surfaced again, and people believed them. And so they exhumed Lincoln's body a second time to ensure that he was still there. Why do we have such a hard time believing truth? Evil and lies are pernicious, and it is often difficult not to believe them. In fact, the responses to Jesus vary widely. Jesus, by the time of this scripture, has been in Jerusalem since his arrival for the Festival of Booths, teaching regularly in the temple complex. There has been much discussion regarding his identity, his origins, his authority. Some believe that he is the Messiah, and others believe that he is demon-possessed, or worse, a blasphemer who deserves to die. Isn't that hard for us to believe today, we who call ourselves followers of Jesus, that he could have been called a blasphemer, someone who deserved to die? Now, Jesus, in this story, is in the portico of Solomon, and some of the temple elders gather around him and ask Jesus to put an end to the debate. They want to know what his identity is, once and for all. They say, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? And yet he has already told them that he is the son of God. You may remember that there are some times in scripture when he has done a healing work and then tells folks not to tell. It's not the time yet to tell. This happens in Matthew 8 after he cleanses the leper. He says, go and wash in the pool and show the Pharisees as you have been taught from the law of Moses. It happens in Mark 5, when he heals, when he raises from the dead the daughter of the synagogue leader. He says in both of those instances, don't tell anyone. But throughout scripture, he is demonstrating his authority. He is demonstrating over and over to us that he is the Son of God. In fact, just prior to today's scripture, he does it again. He heals the blind man. It is abundantly clear that he is in fact the Son of God, that he has this healing power. The works that he has done in his Father's name testify to him, but those others do not believe because they do not belong to his sheep. They are not his followers. Most often we don't want to be sheep. Sheep are characterized as dumb, as following. We like to be smart and leaders. But Jesus teaches us over and over again that those who inherit the kingdom of God are the least, the last, and the lost, the poor, the hungry, those who are mourning. That's who God is walking alongside. Jesus doesn't demand that we evolve through Brian McLaren's four stages in the life of faith, simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and harmony. Jesus is calling us to be the sheep, simple, the ones who follow him, the most simple of creatures. Jesus honors simplicity. Jesus understands that in a life of faith, you may understand the nature of peace and reconciliation and this theology and that theology and all of the things of the world, 
but you have nothing in yourself to bring that only belief that is the unutterable mystery that is God. That thing that happens in times of meditation, in times of trust, in times of letting go and letting yourself be the beloved of love. Jesus calls us to a simple faith. Jesus calls us away from fear and envelops us with love and lavishes us with grace. The Pharisees who are trying to resolve his identity see only that Jesus has healed on the Sabbath and therefore he must be a sinner. He has broken a law. The blind man, on the other hand, the simpler one, the one who is not learned, the one who has been healed, knows who Jesus is, comes to realize God within him, and in the end worships him as Lord, follows him. There is a tension between God's initiative and human responsibility that is not resolved in John's gospel or perhaps even the entire Bible. It is only with the eyes of faith that one can see, one can truly see the truth concerning Jesus. Allowing ourselves to live within that holy mystery where we aren't in control, where we don't know everything, is what Jesus is calling us to. Those who belong to Jesus, who hear and recognize his voice and follow him as the sheep follow the shepherd, have been given to him by the Father. Coming to Jesus with trust, his invitation is to know him and to experience loving intimacy. Like the Jews, we too have some blind spots. What is God trying to tell me right in the midst of this present moment? You can't hear it if you're listening to the cacophony of just wills that are speaking this way and that in our world, even your own as it becomes tied up in it. How well do we cope with that not knowing? The opposite to faith is not doubt. It is certainty. When you're sure you've got it all together, you're the furthest away from it. Let me say that again. The opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. We are in dangerous waters when we believe we know it all, when we believe we've arrived, when we tell our peers they are wrong in the way they worship or believe. To believe is to be asked to go beyond facts, to take a risk. To love is to take a risk. We would do well to ask, as I look around me, what works testify to the love of Jesus? That's how the blind man who was healed came to know. He was in the presence of the healing power of God. If he had been so caught up in the this and that of the day, the fact of who sinned, this man or his parents, he would never have been healed. He had to quiet his heart and his mind. Everything depends on God's initiative. And God is still speaking. God is speaking in the still, small voice. How hard it is to discern the shepherd's voice amid all the other voices that clamor for our attention, many of whom claim to speak for God. Those voices are legion, but we do not always recognize how contrary they are to the voice of the good shepherd. 
the one who calls us to love, to forgive, to reconcile, to trust. Some feel they have not heard the voice of God. They have not had the experience of lightning and blindness followed by healing and sight as Paul did on the road to Damascus. Some feel that they have not had the mountaintop experience where one sees and feels the presence of God. Too often we think that God is going to sound like Charlton Heston or Morgan Freeman and come to us in a particular form. We expect angel wings and booming thunder. We forget that God is not in the earthquake or in the fire, but in the gentle whisper. There are too many voices that tell us how to grow closer to God by having a prescribed religious experience, by believing the correct doctrine, by reaching a higher level of knowledge or a higher level of morality. Once again, the gospel presents us with people who are looking for a rational answer to the question of who Jesus is, a question that will satisfy them intellectually we are reminded again to meet Jesus and hear his words with our heart, not our head. Jesus comes across as being very committed to those he has been given to save, very protective and very vigilant about keeping them in relationship with him. He appreciates their being receptive to his voice. He says, they hear my voice and they follow me. Picture a little bird in a nest, opening its beak to be fed by its bounteous mother. Some of you may have bird's nests beginning to come. Do you imagine yourself in relationship with Jesus, that all the work is up to you? Or do you imagine Jesus watching over you like that mother bird, waiting for the opportunity to feed you the moment you open your beak? Or in Jesus' case, your heart. That's what God is, ready to feed you. All you need to do is open your heart. Everything depends on belonging to him. Jesus is our Lord. Never does our status before God depend on how we feel, having the right experience, being free of doubt, or what we can accomplish. Perhaps we have sometimes felt like these people, wishing for a plain sign from God. Yet Jesus chooses to speak in parables instead of forcing assent through logic or argument. He tells us stories, stories that appeal to our emotions, our experience, so we can open our heart to be fed. Jesus, if we are to be your true disciples, we need to listen to your words. Draw us into the experience of loving intimacy which you so long for in us. It depends on one thing only, that we are known by the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, Jesus says, and they will never perish. Jesus says, you belong to me already. No one can snatch you out of my hand. Jesus tells us of life that is eternal because its source is in God, who is eternal, and in Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. 
Just as Jesus trusts that no one can snatch him from the Father's hand, we too must trust that no one can snatch us from his hand. We must place ourselves in his hand. This is what true discipleship means. Jesus wants to lead us to safety, to the fullness of life. He wants us to listen to his voice. He waits for our time to enter into the space of our life, which is his. Time with Jesus is never wasted, whether in listening to his word and mulling over it, or just being with him in peaceful silence. That's where you hear the still, small voice. Prayer is the comforting relationship of a sheep to a shepherd. Prayer is the comforting relationship of us to our Lord, our relaxing into the mystery of being loved by God, the one who is love. Sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and immediately follow the shepherd. They are true followers in the image of shepherd and sheep in the words of Jesus. The voice of Jesus is heard in prayer and in the reading of his word. It calls us to follow with love, knowing we are totally safe in following him. I've told you before of Steve Garnis Holmes' wonderful daily devotional. His site is called Unfolding Light. He writes this about our scripture today. Eternal life isn't an extended warranty. It's not just prolonged survival. It's God's life in you that never ends, even if you do. It's your being part of the body of Christ, which is eternal, even if your body isn't. It's not about you not about getting to be an individual forever. It's about sharing in God's love, which will never perish. When we live in that love, even though we die, yet shall we live. In that love, nothing, nothing can snatch us from the beloved's hands. Amidst the other voices that evoke fear, make demands, or give advice, the voice of the good shepherd is a voice of promise, a voice that calls us by name and claims us as its own. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen. <laughs>